He and Foreign Affairs Minister Wopke Hoekstra visited Prime Minister Joe Biden no, in the White House. He said Prime Minister Joe Biden. Ah, I made the same mistake as uh, Biden did, right? Ah. Because he called uh, he called uh, Rutte at some point President Rutte. Oh, did he? Ah, okay. Yeah. It's uh, Friday, January 20th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I am Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Belfast Worker Sympathizer. And with me today is uh, Gordon Derrick, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and Tennis Clone. Not a tennis clown, but a tennis clone. Tennis clone, yes. Are we going to discuss that uh, in the sports segment? Uh, I think we are. A little bit, yeah. Um, uh Perhaps we can otherwise discuss your uh, your, your latest hobby. <laughs> <laughs> my latest hobby, or my l- latest thing that I've been kind of roped into. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was... a, a, you, you just dropped that bombshell before we started recording. <laughs> yes, uh, and that's yeah. a much interesting, uh, uh, much more interesting than uh, than the tennis clone. So uh, please describe what you were doing le- well, last night. I was drawn at random to take part in a Bucharat, like a sort of citizens' council meeting. Which uh, yeah it was was quite oh. uh, quite a sort of. I thought this was one of these neighbor meetings where they were trying to uh, uh, decide on where the speed bumps need oh, to no, be. Oh no 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 no! This, this had... well, it's the same thing, but on a much bigger scale. Basically, you have mm. to. It's people from across the whole province all get together in um in in like a school school hall, a school canteen, and sort of sit down and try and discuss uh, sort out all the problems of the of the of the of the province essentially. But uh, this one specifically all the problems. Well, not all the problems, <laughs> just specifically the ones relating to so like traffic, transport, and um sort of living standards, livability, that kind of thing. Leefbaarheid. Mm. Um, but it was yeah. It and was, how many people were in the room? There were a hundred people in the room altogether. Um, oh, and what wow. happened was it was a bit like sort of a Dutch Parliament uh, or a Dutch TV Parliament debate, right? So uh, yeah. the, 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 you would uh, sit down in a, with a group of four people, uh, discuss a subject, and then after twenty minutes, uh, they would uh, the moderator would uh, step in and say, "Right, it's time to now switch round your table." So just as you got just as your conversation got going, you'd be pulled out and taken into had to start a new conversation with another group of people. Um, and so the idea was that uh, you sort of gradually. Korea had a kind of constructive dialogue, even though you were constantly being interrupted and having to shift about. Just like in those parliament debates, right? Well, not the parliament debates, the TV debates, where they could, you know, where after five minutes they sort of bring in, the, 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 they bring in a whole set of politicians to ask answer a completely different question, and it's really yeah. fragmented. So, so, yeah. so it was like a polar speed dating table. It was kind of like polar speed ID. dating. Yeah, that's exactly what yeah. it was. Yeah. So you, you sort of discuss, oh, wow. and it was all kind of, it was meant to be structured. So in part one, you would discuss <laughs> what the problems are. And in part two, you discuss yeah, possible solutions. And in part three, you discuss who should, you know, who should be responsible for fixing them. But of course, you had these three and, conversations. And of course, everyone sticks to the format and everyone, uh, yeah. uh, everyone <laughs> did exactly what they were being the format, told. Yeah. And they're also very good <laughs> snacks as well. Like there, there oh, were really? sausage, yeah, there were sausage rolls. There were satay oh. sticks. There were. Uh-huh. Uh, the, 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 were there was, any vegan options? There were vegan options. They, 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 well, okay. uh, I think there, there were certainly <laughs> pistolets. There, there were little rolls uh, with with, uh, with cheese. Um, but I don't know if there were vegan. Uh, uh, yeah, vegan cheeses among them. But I had a brie brie sandwich, and it was very nice. And okay. uh, yeah, I'm not really sure choice. how much progress we actually made, um, but uh, it was. Uh, <laughs> it, I, I came is this away... going to be a regular thing? 
Uh, no, there's two meetings, and then there's two <laughs> there's two sort of voluntary meetings in between. Um, so, okay. uh, yeah, some people, I guess, will go to the voluntary meetings. People have got a bit more time what, in their hands. What do you mean voluntarily? Were you you had to show up? You had to. Or, yeah, well, you, you could. Uh, you, like again, there were two rounds of um, uh, of Lotus Trek and of um, drawing lots for this. First of all, you got to, you got selected at random based on your address um, to, to be given in invitation to take part in these meetings and then you, you you sent an email back if you wanted to take part and then there would be a second oh, draw okay. of people who actually wanted to who were actually willing and able to um to join in uh, to, to select the actual participants so that, so it wasn't that you were, were you were you were no you were i wasn't, I wasn't like a frog marched to show up in, otherwise no, no. death penalty no i wasn't frog marched into a otherwise school you would have been locked at Locked away in the Gevangenenpoort. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or, or yeah, escaping okay. a prison or something. But uh, yeah. no, uh, no, it was nothing like that. Uh, no, wow. uh, but yeah, so so um, yeah, that was that was my email. I came away feeling very well fed and not really sure how much progress we made. But there's now a sort of two voluntary meetings. One of which is called the Inspiratie Carousel, which sounds like something that. Uh, <laughs> Bonet would have come up with, uh, where the idea is you invite somebody who is an inspire, inspirational figure ah. or an expert in the field of like uh, public service. Uh, inevitably, of course, they gave about sort of thirty different options for people you can invite, and about twenty-seven of them, twenty-seven of them were Amtenaren, basically. So you had yeah, an Amtenar who was responsible for transport, an Amtenar who was responsible for I don't know school dinners, another one who was responsible for cycling infrastructure, um, uh, and uh, the idea is that you invite these people to come and give a talk and explain why the province isn't able to do all the things that people want it to do but uh, yeah the idea was it was a sort of like a, bit like a brainstorming session effectively mm, yeah okay you, uh, well at least you uh, you had your brie sandwich and yeah. uh, hopefully it wasn't too far away uh, from from your house no so you didn't well that's the other thing you see because it was it was last night so of course all the public transport was on strike so everyone had to drive yeah so i had to drive down south of rotterdam through the rotterdam traffic oh. in rush hour and yeah, it took me sort of uh, an hour and a half to get to Altbeierland, which uh, on the way home it was forty-five minutes. So yeah, Altbeierland. I mean, yeah. if you, if they, if they would invite everyone, <laughs> uh, people f- at random from from all over the province, you would think they would choose a a, a much much more centered location, I guess. But uh, Altbeierland is on. It's it's like the north. It's like the Limburg of of <laughs> South Holland. I think. Much is, yeah, and everyone right. has to go through Rotterdam yeah. to get there. So yeah, it's, uh, like uh, yeah. which is probably why it was so congested. Like oh, everyone wow. taking part in this meeting had to go. So there we are. And then there's a, there's a follow-up meeting in March where we have where you actually vote okay. and whatever you vote for, have a vote and uh, the, the, anything that you vote for goes into the Burger Accord, which is then sent to the provin- provincial government. So the citizens uh-huh. the citizens agreement, which got, which uh, I think this just the the the, 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 uh, the provincial assembly then picks up and throws in a bin somewhere or files away in a cabinet <laughs> and uh, is never heard of again. So okay, so I'm looking forward well. to that. Uh, At least you uh, you did your burgerat uh, duty. Uh, yeah. So uh, I feel like I've given something for... back to society. I don't know what, mainly just random <laughs> thoughts. But uh, you know, I think uh, that I deserve some credit for that in the form of brie sandwiches. So yeah. Uh, uh, Very good. Uh, but meanwhile, so, so, yeah. So I've uh, yeah, so, so that was my kind of constructive evening. Um, how's your construction going, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. Um, <laughs> As a birthday gift, uh, I was given uh, a rented Lego Titanic model <laughs> and didn't buy it because it's, I think it's 650 euros or something that wow. is a little bit too expensive. Uh, but you can apparently rent Lego uh, sets as well. I didn't well. know this. 
Uh, I didn't know that too. Yeah. Uh, and initially, it was a it was a nice idea. So so uh, it, uh, I, I I rented uh, the Lego set because I wanted to build it. Um, uh, but when it arrived. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a week ago on Friday, I was shocked, shocked <laughs> to see shocked, yeah. in shocked, shocked <laughs> to see in which it arrived because it was this enormous box, uh, which re- reminded me of the boxes uh, they used to uh, transport like firearms and stuff like that. So <laughs> right. rigid, so yeah. large, uh, uh, and and it was a crate. It, 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 basically, and it, was it? Yeah, it was a crate. It is literally a crate. Yeah. So, and then when I opened it, uh, I saw all these uh, bags of, of 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 Lego pieces, and uh, I mean, they are nine thousand pieces. It is wow. ridiculous, and it's all sorted at color. And um, uh, 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 I, I started to build, and I was initially. I didn't realize how how much a pain of the ass it would be to just search for all the bricks <laughs> because you need like especially if you need a very specific type of brick and yeah. you need to 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 uh to to search uh, uh like a white uh white brick among yeah. 5000 white bricks yeah, I mean, and you, you need just... a lot of white bricks to build that iceberg as well right <laughs> <laughs> exactly no the iceberg is not included uh, uh, unfortunately you're going to get the iceberg separately uh, yeah, you can buy separately. Yeah, <laughs> um, accessories not included. Yeah. So um, uh, uh, and and also I needed uh, like boxes and and stuff like that to just put all the the, the bricks in, right? So yeah, uh, I I was just glad that I had um, uh, never thrown away like uh, shoe boxes and stuff like that. Um, uh, for example, the ball, all my all my Anne Frank balls are filled with uh, uh, with uh, with uh, Lego bricks right now, and mm-hmm. also uh, for the the ball. Which I used for my rice cooker is now used for green uh, bricks. Um, if you picture Titanic, how many green bricks do you see? Uh, the, the color green is not included in that thing, right? It's all right. internal. But yeah. th- that whole that whole ball is full filled with green bricks. It's just an insane amount of uh, of um, of Lego bricks. So yeah, um, yeah I'm 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 spent my most of my evenings for the past week now building <laughs> that titanic model and it's halfway yes. now and okay. i uh i am uh, i'm tired <laughs> yeah so, so this is why you all I mean, this is why you now sympathize with the workers in the belfast shipyards yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah because been, i now know it must have been gutting for them to to hear what happened you know on the maiden voyage after all that work they put in to build the thing and then it well, literally it, it goes down within in less than two days on, on the maiden voyage yeah, yeah well actually i have to so i rented this thing right so i'm building yeah. it and then i have to take everything apart and put it back in <laughs> the like, in yeah. the bag yeah, so yeah, sort have, it by color again yeah yeah and, and at least at, uh, the, the the belfast workers didn't know that titanic would sink on its maiden voyage but yeah. i know that after a week <laughs> i have to uh, demolish the whole thing yeah. so uh, um, perhaps i'm even in a in a worse state than these uh, poor Belfast workers Perhaps, because I yeah. know what the fate is going to be of, of that model right yeah um, so you could be really yeah. mean uh, and I just would... keep like three bricks yeah, from the set <laughs> when you give it back so the next person can't finish it <laughs> yeah well I, I think there are a lot of spare bricks so right uh, okay they, they, they wouldn't notice if you if if I uh, keep one or two I think yeah um, but I like the idea and uh, just rent uh, a Lego model and then build it and take it apart. But I, I would recommend it, but just take, uh, pick a model that's not that large. Pick a model that's uh, not and, the Titanic, basically, not Titanic no. sized. Yeah, yeah. the clue was in the name. <laughs> yeah, sure. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's a nice idea, but uh, pick a pick a smaller a smaller model, right. I think, okay. uh, if you want to uh, do it as well. Right. So uh, I look forward to uh, more updates on the Lego Titanic uh, in the coming months. Speaking of yeah, so speaking of yeah, so so all this talk of like passing things on uh, kind of takes us around in a sort of uh, slightly staggered, drunken way to the opera for the week, Paul, which is uh, from the yes. boss. Yeah. I was worried uh, when we were uh, you know preparing for this podcast yesterday evening. There was no opera whatsoever. It didn't happen last week, and I was like, this is probably going to be the first episode in well w- w- how long are we doing this i think three three years yeah. the, the op for three, three weeks this is I was afraid this was going to be the first time we uh, would have an episode without an actual opf because nothing happened. Yeah. But uh, fortunately for us, the CDR is always there, yep. uh, very reliable yep. and causing opf. Yeah, the, 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 um, the CDR rode in on a on a small horse to <laughs> to, 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 to rescue us, to rescue the opf of the week. Exactly, <laughs> and yeah. then left it here. And you'd never and never never look a horse in its a given horse in its mouth, exactly. right? So never look never look um, a given horse in the mouth. Exactly. Uh, the opera of the week, as you said, comes from Den Bosch, uh, where a drunken Maasdriel city councillor left a stolen Shetland pony tied up on a terrace. Mm. There's a lot to unpack here. There is. Uh, on Monday night, uh, two heavily influenced men entered a cafe in Den Bosch for more drinks and something to eat. They were carrying a Shetland pony on a leash through the city centre, which they tied up outside on a terrace before entering the cafe. An hour or so later, the cafe's owners uh, noticed that the two men had left without paying, and he immediately called uh, the police and also the deer ambulance because when he looked outside, he saw in the cold and the rain the po- Shetland pony <laughs> left on the terrace. <laughs> Must have been a strange, strange sight, I think. Yeah. Um, um, the animal ambulance workers covered the poor pony with blankets and they fed it some carrots. Uh, the deer ambulance also posted a photo on social media and that led immediately to some ophef. People thought, who, who, who takes a Shetland pony to a bar, right? Uh, who takes a Shetland pony just uh, anywhere that's not like a paddock? <laughs> yeah, very, very strange story. Um, yeah. Also, later that evening... I mean, there's so sm- so many strange things happening. So <laughs> you leave, you leave, you you uh, how do you call that? Uh, eat and run or something, right? You 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 have some drinks and you have something to eat, and yeah. then you leave without paying. Yeah. And all of a the sudden, these two men, still drunk, they are, they return later that evening at around eight uh, p.m. to 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 pay their bills. Mm-hmm. I mean, stri- also a strange thing. Maybe they. Uh, Forgot to pay or something? I don't yeah, know. Or, yeah, maybe the pin machine wasn't uh, uh, wasn't working down the boss. Who knows? Well, well, they had they had said to 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 a waiter that they were going to uh, going outside for a smoke and right. then just never returned. That was how they found out that they had left without paying. Ah. Um, but when they returned, the police was still there at the uh, and also the the deer ambulance. They were still there at the cafe and they demanded their pony back, but uh, they. Uh, <laughs> They weren't allowed to. Uh, <laughs> the police said no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Such a strange story. Yeah. So, so, so um, they, they came back to pony up, basically, to, to, pay, to pay for their <laughs> drinks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So um, they weren't allowed to uh, to uh, to leave with the pony. Uh, but that it was at that point that um, one of the men turned out to be Georges Pardoul, which is also a name that you can only find in the Efteling, I think. Mm. But uh, apparently he is a CDA city councillor in nearby Maastriel. Uh, the 25-year-old councillor managed to win a preference seat in the latest election with his personal campaign. And he used a remarkable slogan... Prevent a hangover, keep drinking. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and hold on uh, to your horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know exactly how that... Uh, uh, I, I don't understand how that is an election campaign <laughs> slogan, <laughs> but uh, he, he did manage to win a seat with it. Uh, also, uh, the elections were around Carnival, and that's, of course, um, that uh, would explain uh, it, a yeah. big thing in Brabant, so yeah. that would explain why he was uh, talking about drinking. Um, um, uh, and upon winning his seat, the CDA had already urged him to behave more mature and responsible because he's a city councillor now, mm-hmm. so you have to behave. Um, but the TED Talk clearly hadn't hadn't didn't have its desired effect. Both the police and the CDA are still thinking about uh, if they should take some actions against Pardul. The pony is doing well. And also, um, I was reading about this, right? There were a number of articles written about it. And all of Mm. a sudden they said, they just, just like you did, they they, uh, uh, dropped a bomb saying that the pony was stolen. But they never clarified where it came from, (laughs) who the owner was, how they found out (laughs) that it was stolen. So many questions yeah. still. Has it been returned um, to its rightful owner? Yeah. Exactly. You know, what, what, I don't know. What, what, why, yeah, yeah. why the long face? I guess that would explain it. But, uh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. A lot of questions. Uh, I don't think this one will make the opf of the year 2023 uh, no. shortlist. But um, it is it is definitely a weird story. And um, it also made uh, the NOS journal, the uh, 8 o'clock news. Oh, great. Uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely something that has drawn attention. Yeah, yeah. Well, politicians are notorious for making up policy on the hoof. So perhaps we shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> we really need to move on now. We do need to move on, yeah. That was terrible. This week, Prime Minister Mark Rutte visited President Joe Biden in Washington, D.C. and pledged a Patriot air defense system to Ukraine. Post-pandemic crime is on the rise and has returned to normal levels. Schiphol is confident we can go on holiday again without camping outside the airport. Energy prices are going down and the Rijksmuseum is opening its doors in the evening. Hmm. Prime Minister Mark Rutte had a busy week. Before flying to Davos to visit the World Economic Forum, he and Foreign Affairs Minister Wopke Hoekstra visited President Joe Biden in the White House. It was the third American president who welcomed Rutte to the Oval Office. Biden said it was uh, great to see Rutte despite the World Cup match, which the Netherlands won 3-1, and called the Netherlands one of the oldest and strongest American allies. There was a uh, viral video, right, Um, uh, back at the uh, World Cup when uh, uh, Joe Biden insisted on calling it uh, soccer instead of football yeah right? he was, he was and then, saying yeah, will soccer or football be the winner or something like that and then uh, after uh, yeah after the Dutch uh, yeah after the match uh, he said uh, foot, foot, uh, was it which said football won yeah yeah and then uh, they, they, they had some little yeah, exchange of social kind of media post, very staged politicians banter yeah, I, I sometimes I, I like that kind of uh, things, right? When, uh, when, when, when politicians or statesmen are burning each other on social media, but yeah. this one I didn't understand. It just it. felt flat. Everyone yeah. was very excited about it, so uh, apparently yeah. it was uh, it was all very. No, it was as bland as cheese sauce, but yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Both leaders uh, also condemned the Russian missile attacks on the Ukrainian city of uh, Dnipro, which destroyed several apartment buildings and killed at least 45 people. And after the cliches and platitudes were spoken, the press unleashed a barrage of questions on Biden, who has recently come under fire for storing classified documents in his garage. How this happens is when you are a country that is uh, of substantial size, like uh, the UK or France or Germany, when one of the politicians, the political leaders go to the White House, they get like this honored uh, 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 welcome, right? Yeah. Uh, at the front door of the of the White House, uh, uh, they uh, they uh, go to the to Rose Garden for press conference, for example. But when you are a smaller country, yeah. that doesn't happen. No, you, you just, just sit by the fire with uh, Joe you Biden, sit by, and then the press. It was the first time the you. fireplace was on, though. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, it was indeed a warm welcome in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, leaders of the of the smaller countries they arrive at the at the side door of the West Wing, right? There's no pomp or ceremony or no. whatever, and they just uh, sit by the fireplace for uh, a, pr- a, sh- a short press moment, and um, after that they have a conversation. Usually it is uh, 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 scheduled for 45 minutes, and then it's uh, r- uh, it lasts longer than that an yeah. hour, so that the people at home can say, "Oh well, uh, they spoke longer than scheduled, so yeah. the relations must be very fine." It's yeah. all very, very staged. It's always scheduled. kind of weird, yeah. And then it's a big news item on NOS to say this is great historic moment that Ruta's gone to Washington and. Uh, Exactly, but if you if you uh, 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 like, uh, I think the American president has one or two of these kind of visits uh, a week. Yeah. And if you then look at, at at what the press is saying in that other country, it is a similar thing, right? So it's all staged and it's all yeah. meant to be this way. Mm. But um, what's also very uh, uh, funny is that the American press pool, the White House press pool, they are all uh, gathered uh, in the Oval Office, not because they are interested in Mark Rutte, but no. they want to ask Joe Biden some questions, in this case about his documents that he has been storing in his garage. So w- when they have sp- uh, finished speaking, uh, all these uh, uh, journalists, they start shouting and yelling mm. and then the uh, the the, um, uh, the aides, uh, the, the officials, uh, they are trying to usher the, the press out of the Oval Office, right? So yeah. they are also yelling, so it is an enormous gigantic cacophony of, of yelling yeah, and yeah, uh, it's massive chaos yeah and biden of course ignores this question trump often uh, uh, would take some questions because he uh, yeah there was a similar scene last time uh, rutte was there with uh, donald trump yeah um but it's all uh, it's all very staged and also when they um that wasn't the, the the funniest thing though the funniest thing happened after the meeting um, because uh, there was one official uh, photographer bart yeah. maas he was invited by Rutte to uh, to um, yeah take photos of the meeting, yep. uh, and after the after the visit visit ended, um, uh, Rutte uh, was invited by Joe Biden to sit behind the resolute desk. Yeah. <laughs> Quite up <laughs> maybe. Yeah, Rutte started to to pick up the phone, and yeah. uh, uh, Bart Maas uh, took some photos of that, uh, and uh, that was on all the, the the front pages, right? This yeah. photo of 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 Rutte picking up the phone and Joe Biden standing behind him with a look that was somewhere between amused and annoyed, yeah, I think. Yeah, so it was all quite, it was all quite quite awkward. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> looked kind of awkward, but, but it was funny though. But it was quite amusing. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, just like uh, last time uh, Rutte was there, he also caused some, uh, 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 yeah, something to talk about when he interrupted uh, uh, Trump by saying that um, 
the uh, reduced um, um, American interest in NATO was a good thing. That was what Trump said. And then uh, Rutte said, no, 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 it's not. Of course not. <laughs> um, yeah. And that made also some headlines. Yeah, because he dared contradict uh, Donald Trump. Exactly. Yeah, and got away with it. In the White House, in the Oval Office. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so uh, Biden and uh, Rutte did have things to talk about. Uh, so what did they discuss? Yeah, they uh, had a number of uh, issues to discuss, such as the uh, export of uh, semiconductor technology by Dutch technology firm ASML to China. Mm. The U.S. has imposed uh, tough restrictions on exports of U.S.-made computer chips to China. Uh, they are doing that uh, in an effort to hamper that country's military development, and they have been urging the Netherlands to uh, do that as well. Yeah. Uh, ASML is one of the leading uh, producers of computer chips and of uh, 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 semiconductor technology. Um, but the Netherlands is very hesitant to follow because uh, they fear the impact of ASML's trade. Uh, roughly 15% of the Veldhoven-based company's turnover is dependent on exports to China. So, Yeah, yeah. although um, less these days, partly because uh, a couple of uh, Chinese um, technicians who worked for ASML then left the company and set up their own rival company making identical products um, in the States and in China which caused a huge amount of offer at the time but that doesn't seem to have put off ASML from uh, exporting to China even though they've been no. uh, yeah, uh, even though they were hacked from within yeah yeah so um, um, the, the Americans are really trying to um, uh, urge ASML and the Netherlands to be uh, yeah, more um, cautious with yeah. uh, with that um but uh, uh until now until uh, until now they haven't had uh, that much uh, uh, effect um also uh, rutte said that uh didn't want to say anything about the outcome of this particular conversation but he did say that the talks had taken place in a good atmosphere whatever that may mean no. nothing I nothing think. really yeah yeah and another point on the agenda was the Russian invasion of Ukraine, of course. Um, moments before the visit started, it was announced that the US and Germany were going to send Patriot air defense systems to Ukraine. And after the meeting, Rutte said the Netherlands will also donate one of the four Dutch Patriot systems to Ukraine. So, yeah, 25% of the Dutch uh, military capability of this... <laughs> of the air defense own. capability, yes. Although, in fact, yeah. uh, the, 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 I think one of the four systems is like a backup for the other three. So, effectively losing uh, 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 giving away one third of your active uh, capability yeah yeah uh, I, I think they were going to send the one uh, that was in store right so um, the three that are still uh, none of the, but still it's 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 25 percent of, of what the Netherlands has yeah. and this, and this comes on top of the two and a half billion the cabinet recently pledged to donate to Ukraine Rutte took the opportunity to uh, emphasize that if you compare you know, two and a half billion to the Dutch economy and to the Dutch uh, 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 budget. And if you uh, compare that to, um, if you would, you know, scale that to uh, to, to to the United States, uh, we are doing more than the US is doing. That's what uh, Rutte liked to emphasize always. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we are in Europe and it's a European conflict, so that kind of makes sense. But uh, it does, but uh, yeah, um, uh, Rutte liked to uh, to make that comparison. Yeah. Well, he was, he was uh, actually quite vague on the details, wasn't he? All he said, he said specifically what he said was uh, there was an intention to send Patriot missiles to Ukraine. So he wasn't actually clear on what he would send and when he would send it. Um, although he may have clarified it more later on. You're right. Yeah. There is a pledge, but the details still have to be 
still have to be worked out. Yeah, I think, and then he also just... he also talked about uh, you know we wouldn't necessarily send the equipment we have now, but we might buy equipment um, to send to Ukraine. So it was yeah. a bit hazy of exactly, you know, he didn't actually make any solid firm commitments, but he sort of. Do gave... you think he was trying to piggyback and to, uh, on on the U.S. Uh, uh, German decision? Well, I think a bit, on because sending... I mean, so Germany and the Netherlands uh, are sort of quite uh, you know the, the defense capabilities are more or less one you know the, the one one thing now these days, right? I mean, we we, we are basically sort of a most of our um, uh, uh, was it uh, um, uh, most of our actual uh, the, the, the the weapons that we have are kind of shared with Germany. So if Germany makes a decision, we're kind of you know we we end up tagging along whether we like it or not. That's so, not the case for the Patriot uh, systems. Right. But for example, if uh, if the Dutch were going to send their tanks yeah. to Ukraine, uh, then tank, you are right. Uh, no, we don't have any tanks. We we ha- have a shared own. We ha- we lease sure. them from from the Germans. Uh, yeah. Uh, and and they are they are based in Germany. So no, we don't have any Leopard two tanks uh, whatsoever. Uh, uh, but the Patriot uh, systems, they are fully one hundred percent Dutch. Yeah. Uh, so that's not a shared. Uh, but but it, uh, you're right uh, for for number of uh, of uh, 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 yeah elements divisions of of the Dutch army they are either shared with uh, for example Germany integrated with German yeah. uh, Germany or Belgium um, and uh, the UK as well. Yeah. Um, In any case, you, you couldn't really make a decision about <coughs> Dutch military equipment without you know uh, negotiating it with Germany because obviously it will impact on the joint capability the two countries have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and also uh, Bobke Hoekstra, he was also he was also in uh, in Washington D.C. We shouldn't forget about him. Yes. Uh, in a meeting with his American counterpart, he said that the Netherlands is uh, still more than happy to host an international tribunal to hold uh, uh, Russia accountable for the invasion of Ukraine. Yeah. I have the sense that uh, the cabinet really wants this tribunal to be in in the Hague, right? Uh, <laughs> they are doing everything they can uh, to. Uh, to to uh, to uh, have the Hague host uh, this one yeah. if it ever comes to absolutely the, uh, yeah but, but I think tribunal. actually most international lawyers uh, say that it should be in the Hague just surely p- yeah. purely because that's where all the other tribunals are so it makes no sense to hold it somewhere else you know in terms that's of right. because all the people who actually will be involved in the tribunal are based in the Hague so the obvious thing is to put the tribunal there it is but yeah. uh, we would hate to uh, to, to see to it go to Luxembourg yeah <laughs> sure. or, or or even worse. Davos. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And what's, what's, it seems well as if uh, Vodka Hoekstra's beard uh, seems to be sort of, uh, you know, d- d- tracking the progress of the Russian army in Ukraine, right? It seems to be sort of <laughs> advancing very slowly. Uh, yeah, the same same applies to uh, to Rob Jetta. Yeah. For some mysterious reason, he 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 uh, during the World Cup he said that he was not going to shave until Morocco was kicked out of the competition Not or something yeah. i don't didn't really understand what that had to do with the beard but okay but yeah, he, he he seems nobody seems to have told him that that the world cup is over <laughs> and that morocco yeah. <laughs> has been gone home for a very long time still there and also what i loved is that uh, when they when they when when uh, rutte hoekstra uh, 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 biden and um the the foreign minister i forgot his name the U- the U.S. Foreign Secretary, um, when they posed for a photo, uh, you s- really saw that the Dutch are the tallest people yeah. on earth, right? Because Biden isn't isn't small; he is, for American standards, quite quite tall. But uh, uh, Rutte and Hoekstra, they uh, yeah, they uh, they were o- m- almost a head taller than uh, than Biden. Yeah, was. Biden and uh, Anthony Blinken. 
Uh, ah. yeah. Three municipalities are considering bringing in digital restraining orders to stop members of youth gangs using social media or specific websites. The mayors of The Hague, Delft and Zoutemir uh, said it was time to let go of existing legal strategies in order to tackle gang violence in the digital age. They said the concept was unexplored territory because there was no legislation in place, but if a case arose that lent itself to a digital ban, the mayors should be ready to experiment with it. Um, so basically what they said, they got this idea, but they don't actually know how it would work, what they would do, or whether it would be legal. Um, it has kind of all the hallmarks of a kind of PR stunt to me here. Does you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I, I really... Uh, they can be serious, right? I mean, how, how can you... How can you enforce this? How can you? Yeah, I, I have so many questions. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, how, how do you actually police people's of... internet usage? Right. Um, yeah. You can block. Yeah. It's one thing you can block websites from you know being on the internet, but how do you stop specific individuals going on websites that are available? So. Yeah. 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 And also the effect is would also be very limited. I think. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, I think this is the, the, the yeah, it, it's kind of this uh, uh, yeah the, the, it, it seems like a, a a bunch of boomers sort of uh, getting uh, all hot under the collar about uh, people being radicalized by juice channels and thinking we should this is a bad thing and we should shut it down somehow uh, in some kind of a vague hmm. digital way that uh, we don't really understand. Maybe they should ask Rian van Rijbroek uh, to, for some they probably, advice. They, they she, probably she already might have. have. Some ideas. That's probably why they, the way this came from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Zutemir Mayor Michel uh, Bezerin told local broadcaster Omrup Vest, if you read what's happening online, you'll realize this is where we have to make an effort. Right, okay. Um, around 90 youngsters across the three towns um, uh, have been identified as gang members and four groups are being targeted with a personalized approach. Social workers are also intervening to try to stop their brothers and sisters being drawn into the gangs. Um, I guess in Zutemir as well, uh, at least uh, gangs won't be able to uh, convene on the Nelson Mandela Bridge anymore because it's uh, been taken away. So perhaps that's another thing they could do. The south side of Zutemir is finally, uh, yeah. finally safe. It's been liberated. Uh, yeah, and also the end of the pandemic uh, has been a relief for many of us, of course, uh, but also uh, criminals, unfortunately, right? Yeah, uh, nature is healing and society is returning to normal, and uh, that includes uh, the criminal fraternity, because there's been a 7% rise in registered crime in 2022. Uh, people are going back out to the streets, so muggings are up by 7%. Uh, people are also leaving the house to go to work, which has led to a 3% rise in burglaries. And assaults are up by 13% now that cafes and football stadiums have reopened. There's also been an 11% rise in car thefts, although the total number is still lower than in 2019 and 2020. The Toyota RAV4 is top of the car thieves hit list, uh, uh, mainly mm. because they've got these keys that you can hack very easily. So if you leave oh. your key in your sort of hallway, in your coat pocket in your hallway, thieves can come along, kind of clone your key and drive off in your car. It's a bit okay. of a problem. Uh, the other popular cars are the Ford Focus and Ford Fiesta. And thefts of electric vehicles. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> used to be, it used to be it's, the case that Volkswagen Polos and Golfs were the, yeah, were the, were the were most popular uh, cars, uh, mo mostly because they are the most popular cars, but also uh, fast cars like Audis and stuff. Yeah, fast uh, and reliable. Like they, they don't break down fast and, and reliable, get away yeah. very quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean a Toyota is reliable, and I I, uh, I understand that if 
also the keys are easy to hack then okay that this that, might yeah. be an interesting choice yeah. but a fort i mean no i don't uh, I, I don't understand that yeah and uh yeah thefts of electric vehicles gone up by 74 percent as well because the great thing is ah. if you steal an electric vehicle it's, it's very quiet so you can drive away without being noticed <laughs> so and most of those were also toyotas um but 45 ah, percent yeah. of stolen cars were recovered last year so oh really yeah. oh that's quite a quite, quite a quite a high uh, yeah. yeah i think so yeah yeah um and crime is also up among car owners who uh legally own cars right yes they legally own cars but they're driving them illegally because there's been a 37 percent rise in fines for driving under the influence of drink and drugs 37 hmm. percent is quite quite a lot quite a lot more people yeah. um being drunk or uh, on drugs behind the wheel and police say it's a worrying trend and one they can't explain uh, in Limburg, South Holland and Gelderland uh, they saw the biggest rises the number of fines is up by 46% um, mm. one possible explanation is that police have stopped carrying out large scale alcohol checks uh, on the roadside yeah. because drivers were just tipping each other off on their phones effectively so if you if you drove home from a cafe and you saw that the police were by the roadside you just told all your friends get a, get a taxi home uh, my so my father just uh, talked about that uh, yeah. a couple of days ago. He said um, uh, it used to be the case that, especially on Friday evenings and Saturday evenings when you're driving home from yeah, whatever, it happened all the time that the police would stop uh, 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 all the cars that were driving on a, on a certain road and just check them yeah. uh, for, for alcohol usage. But that n never happened again. And um, um, uh, that might be the reason why you are less careful in... Um, uh, dr drinking, uh, stepping into a car uh, after you have dr uh, drunk some alcohol. So yeah, yeah I think that I think I mean the chance is just uh, 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 not that high that the police will notice you. I think so. Uh, I, I I believe that that uh, could be one of the reasons. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah the, dr the drugs is uh, is still the mystery. The drugs is a bit of a mystery. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but I think you know, but it sort of makes you think that okay, the police weren't finding so many people um, drunk behind the wheel. But on the other hand, the fact that people weren't getting into the cars in the first place, you know, means that it, it, the checks kind of worked. You know, even though, yeah. You know, because otherwise the people would have uh, would have driven home. Um, yeah. And, uh, so it, may, it did make the road safer, but they've decided to stop doing that now. Um, and they switched to more random checks, which don't have such a strong deterrent effect, but no. might explain why drivers, uh, yeah, more drivers are getting caught. Schiphol Airport announced it is lifting the restrictions on passenger numbers from March 26. This restriction was imposed in an effort to tackle the chaos at the airport last year. A lack of security staff and strikes by baggage handling personnel caused long waiting lines and cancelled flights, forcing the airport to cut the number of travelers to 50,000 a day. The chaos lasted well into the summer, as we uh, might all remember. Mm. Uh, did you did you fly through uh, Schiphol during the summer? I did have a couple of flights through Schiphol. Yeah, one right at the kind of the peak of the chaos uh, in in July, I think, uh, where we had to yeah, sort of queue for quite a long time. But then later on in the summer, uh, actually, but by August, it, it all kind of mostly cleared up. There was the odd day when it was uh, absolute pandemonium, but uh, yeah, the, the restrictions did work. But obviously, it meant that flights were either cancelled or moved to a different time or to a different airport, and uh, yeah, a lot of people were inconvenienced. Yeah, I mean, the strange uh, uh, effect that people were showing up so early for their flights at Schiphol yeah. that that caused even more chaos, right? Schiphol really urged people not to come earlier than four hours before well, your flight. Well, they said you wouldn't be allowed to join the queue if you got if you turned up yeah. more than four hours before your flight time. Yeah, So some, exactly. people, some people would turn up uh, yeah, four hours before queue and still miss the flight. 
even though they've been told they couldn't turn up any earlier. That happened, yeah. <laughs> so um, indeed, an enormous chaos. Yeah, and of course, um, Dick Benscott um, resigned, and uh, as a result, did he really so. resign, or was he was he sort of well, uh, officially he resigned to, uh, Yeah. <laughs> um, the tents are still there, though, uh, but they're not uh, not being they're used. They're not being used. Uh, Schiphol is uh, confident now that it has attracted enough staff and improved security technology to process 70,000 passengers, and that's the level of, uh, of the pre-chaos. Mm. Um, but the airport may still get into trouble during peak flight movements, particularly in the morning. Uh, Schiphol is currently in conversation with airlines to better spread flights over the day. Um, Tour Operator Association ANVR is happy with the news saying that Schiphol seems to be uh, well on the way after a disastrous summer. Uh, and the union FNV has welcomed the airport's effort to spread flights over the day uh, because they say that uh, that will relieve pressure on staff during peak moments. Mm. Uh, still, they are urging <laughs> Schiphol to, uh, to hire more staff. But uh, yeah, that's uh, not surprising coming from a union, I think. Yeah, they seem to be. See, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they seem to be getting there. Yeah, and uh, another kind of a long-running burning issue is uh, Schiphol trying to get its uh, environmental permit sorted out. And it, apparently it has. Well, not not yet. Um, uh, but last year, you, as you might remember, um, uh, we were all shocked, shocked <laughs> to hear that Schiphol uh, didn't have a uh, environmental yeah. <laughs> permit. Uh, that's for everyone uh, is required, right? You cannot do anything yeah, any in this country. Any construction project needs uh, environmental permits, yeah. Three or four, perhaps, yeah. uh, but Schiphol turned out uh, uh, not to have a single one. Yeah. Uh, that, of course, caused uh, a lot of upheaval because a lot of farmers are yeah. uh, going to be forced to close because they yeah, can't have a permit and uh, uh, infrastructure projects had to be cancelled because of the same permits. And then one of the biggest polluters doesn't have one. That's strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but NRC reported uh, this week that Schiphol has bought the nitrogen emission rights of 12 farms spread over the country. Um, the airport believes it has now more than enough emission rights to obtain a nature permit for both Schiphol and Lelystad Airport. Um, the buyout of farmers uh, by companies is controversial, though. In December, a majority in the Tweede Kamer adopted a motion calling on the government to halt the purchase of farmers for extra nitrogen space for infrastructure projects projects and airports mm. um, the agriculture ministry is now working on regulations but until uh, that is completed and imposed nitrogen trade is possible um, so uh, yeah we can um, uh, probably see a lot of uh, companies a lot of uh, polluting companies uh, doing similar things yeah. i think uh, and the funny thing is Schiphol has bought livestock farmers all across the country. So in Gelderland, in Groningen one as well, also in uh, South Holland, yeah. which isn't near um, 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 uh, Schiphol, right? You, no. would, you would think um, maybe that's the new regulations, right? You can buy nitrogen uh, uh, emission rights in the vicinity of your operation. Yeah. But until then, until now, uh, that's uh, uh, not necessary. That's not been and, a requirement, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you probably so look forward to another round of regulations and Schiphol folding Fowler rules and having to apply for another environmental permit but it's kind of bizarre know. you know that, uh, that they're still able to pollute in their local area and of course uh, that means that uh, given that the whole you know, the, the government produces map right of um, places with high nitrogen pollution and said that you know, um, uh, farms in the area you know, like, like neighboring these areas with high pollution were the ones that would have to close and yet now Schiphol is um, is not buying out farms nearby where you know where, where it is causing the pollution problem, but uh, in other parts of the country. Yeah, yeah. So 
you know, re- regulations are desperately needed and the Tweede yeah. Kamer has urged uh, the cabinet to come up with uh, with some and they are they are now working on it so uh, yeah hopefully we get some clarity uh, in the near future yeah it turns out nitrogen offsetting is just as dubious as a carbon offsetting in a <laughs> move <laughs> yeah, that exactly. shocked absolutely nobody Energy prices are coming down, which is good news for all those people who've been moaning for months that energy prices aren't coming down, as well as the rest of us. And this week, Budget Energy became the first company to bring its rates down below the price cap level. Uh, it mm. is a marginal difference, and uh, it was probably a bit of a stunt, but they're charging €1.39 per cubic metre of gas and $0.39 cents for a unit of electricity, which is respectively $0.06 cents and $0.01 cent below the government's price ceiling. But now that mm-hmm. gas prices on the wholesale markets have come down to around 60 euros per megawatt hour, other companies are expected to follow suit. Budget Energy, you've got the advantage they're the only company that uh, updates its variable rate every month rather than every quarter. So as the rates come down, they're able to get ahead in um, passing on the cost to consumers. Obviously, back mm. last year when the prices were going up, Budget Energy, despite their name, were about the most expensive company because they were the first to have to raise their rates. So yeah, that's that's the risk you take, I guess. And the new tariffs will apply from March the 1st, which is just when everyone starts switching off their central heating, so you won't get any benefit in January or February, although you are still covered by the price cap. And then uh, the low rates are also good news for the government. The price cap scheme was expected to cost €24 billion Euros in compensation to energy providers, but the latest estimate is that it'll set them back less than €10 billion. But still, um, energy prices can still fluctuate uh, very much, right? Yeah. So, uh um, 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 nothing is set in stone, right? Nothing set in stone. If you look kind of ahead on the Dutch TTF, which is like the the, the measure that's used to see what uh, f- prices companies are paying on the futures markets, uh, the, there are st- the prices for the end of this year now are kind of higher than the prices for this winter because the expectation is that we'll have to, a big scramble to fill up the gas reserves over the summer again. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, time to switch suppliers, especially if you are a croquette baker in Amsterdam. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's certainly certainly worth a look, um, especially as the competition regulator, ACM, is about to make it more expensive to change your supplier. Uh, at the moment, if you're on a mm. fixed rate contract, uh, the rules say yeah, you can't be charged more than 50 euros to change as long as you've got less than 18 months to run on your contract. Um, but obviously, in the context of what companies are charging that's absolutely peanuts so there's no incentive really or there's no sort of serious penalty for people to step out of a fixed rate contract on the other hand of course if you are on a fixed rate contract and you signed it um you know earlier than like sort of late 2021 you're probably paying a fraction of the price that you get right now if you switched anyway yeah the acm is changing the rules from march so the companies can then charge more and they can calculate it based on the notional value of your remaining contracts if you got they work out how many months you got to run what the cost is how much you would pay if you stayed in the contract and that's sort of how they base their charges so it'll be it'll be a lot more and the idea is to encourage suppliers to start offering fixed rates deals um again by making it more expensive for customers to leave i hope that makes sense okay (laughs) yeah Um, and um, uh, Holtkamp in Amsterdam said that uh, he's only going to sell cold coquette right now, right? Yeah. Because uh, because of the high gas prices. It's a cold coquette winter, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is another reason we should be sending patriots to Ukraine. Uh, <laughs> frankly, yeah. you know. save our coquette, yeah. Putin really has gone too far now. We want warm yeah. coquettes again. It'd be called Frikadels next. <laughs> well, I don't care about Frikandella, <laughs> to be honest. He can have them. I have a nice deal for Putin. He can have all the, the Frikandella of the Netherlands if he leaves Ukraine. I would be happy to... I tell to, you what, uh, we should just send Ukraine... 
bitterbollum to fire at Moscow because that will cause an instant in, in inferno once a bitterbollum break open because <laughs> they're, you know, they're probably hotter than uh, you know the, 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 the most munitions on the inside. You should uh, you should call Boeing or uh, <laughs> some other uh, uh, defense industry uh, company. Yeah, yeah, good idea. But there's also some good news if you have solar panels, right? Yes, uh, because uh, the government had this plan to basically sort of scrap the tax break for solar panel owners, where at the moment, if you generate more energy than you use, which is the case for about a quarter of people who have solar panels, uh, your supplier has to buy back the access from you, so you get a reduction on your bill. And the government wants to scrap this because uh, it was originally an incentive for people to install solar panels, but now there are 1.8 million people. And that basically means that uh, you know, at the, at the moment, uh, you have uh, these solar panels uh, produce the most energy energy yeah. that is usually the moment you don't need it exactly yeah. um, uh, and, uh, and therefore the energy companies are practically losing money if they have to buy uh, all, all the all the uh, energy that's produced by the solar panels and the weird thing is that on the sunniest days uh, the paradox here is that uh, a lot of solar panels are basically turned off because they yeah. cannot do anything with the energy they produce yeah um, so uh, um, that's something needed to be done was clear, I think, but uh, what, what has the government or what has the Tweede Kamer come up with? Now? So Tweede Kamer's plan was uh, basically to, um, uh, instead of you had having this rebate, you would just be charged a kind of a, a reasonable amount or you would be paid back a reasonable amount um, for, uh, for, for for the gains from your solar energy. So people would get a lot less because uh, as well as being very expensive for the energy companies, it was also costing the Treasury 400 million in lost taxes. But now the Senate is going to block uh, this move uh, so hmm. the scheme isn't going to be scrapped after all, it would seem, and it's not going to be phased out. Uh, Pefe Dian Hun Links were against the plan, and this week Geert Wilders said his PVV senators would vote with the left-wing parties, oh, wow. which is quite a, yeah, quite a development. Even though Wilders is against subsidies for renewable energy and he hates windbills like a peroxide Don Quixote, he said it would be a betrayal <laughs> of households who'd fought out for them on the promise that they'd uh, yeah, make a return on their investment. And Koenlings and PVDR, they also want the government to come up with uh, more concrete plans to uh, put solar panels into social housing right, so that people yeah, who, who are on low incomes and live in social housing can also benefit from solar energy rather than having to pay for expensive gas and electricity. They can take away the tax relief for solar panels, but they can't stop this podcast shining a light into the murky corners of life and politics in the Netherlands. <laughs> So I couldn't resest that. <laughs> a little bit overstated on what we were doing. <laughs> it's, it's overstating maybe a little, yeah. As well as uh, giving you some uh, lighter stories about uh, cat chips and uh, bitter bollum. Oh, I scrapped the cat chips. But, oh, did you scrap uh, the yeah, cat chips? Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. no, no, maybe we can do that now. No. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, if you have a cat, you have to uh, have it chipped. Yeah, it'll be law. You'll be required by law to have your cat chipped. Yeah. So even cats have to carry ID now. Yeah, I think that was decided in Davos, right? Yes. Uh, have your cats chips, and the next stop is to have uh, all humans chipped. Yeah. And, uh, uh, did, did you see that Thierry Baudet traveled to Davos? I did see that, yes. I saw the pictures of Thierry Baudet at, at the WEF, yeah. At, at the WEF, yeah. yeah, at the World Economic Forum. If it's such a secretive <laughs> conspiracy yeah. uh, where uh, behind the doors everything is decided for the rest of the world, uh, would they allow Thierry Baudet to just walk around and just uh, walk into random rooms and see what's, what's being discussed? <laughs> I don't think so, right? No. Maybe they set up like a parallel uh, Davos that uh, Baudet was mm. invited to, so it wasn't the real one oh. or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that might be it, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I fully expect uh, Willem Engel to be out on the streets protesting against uh, compulsory chips for cats as soon as he gets out of prison. So, 
Uh, he's uh, uh, in court right he's in now, court as we right speak. Now, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're recommending a three-month uh, uh, jail sentence, but a suspended sentence, so he won't actually go to jail. So, ah, oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we do rely on the cashback we get from our very generous patrons, and we are very thankful for them. So, because without your support, we'd have to give up and get jobs as baggage handlers at Skipple or something. <laughs> so, as ever, we'd like to extend a big thank you to all our uh, loyal patrons who keep us going, and remind you that new patrons are rewarded with a shout out if you want one, and you can ask us a question which we will try to answer in this slot. So, if you'd uh, like to become a patron, log on to www.patreon.com, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, slash dutchnewsnl. The Rijksmuseum announced it will open its doors in the evening to accommodate the popularity of the yet-to-be-opened Vermeer exhibition. Already over 100,000 tickets have been sold for the museum's latest exhibition on Johannes Vermeer, in which 28 of the 17th century Dutch master paintings will be on display. The museum said there has never been so much interest in advance of an exhibition's opening and expects the exhibition to break all records. On Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays, the Rijksmuseum will extend its opening hours to 10 p.m. as opposed to the normal 6 p.m. on other days. Only a limited number of tickets are available and the uh, late opening will give more people a chance to have a pleasant experience, the museum in Amsterdam said. On Tuesday, the museum also launched an accompanying website called Dichter bij Johannes Vermeer or uh, Closer to Johannes Vermeer, in which actors Stephen Fry and Joy Delema act as guides to the ultra-high resolution photos of the artist's work. The exhibition Vermeer will open on February 10th and will run until June 4th. And it is really worth uh, the visit, I think. It's one of the few occasions that so many of Vermeer's quite limited oeuvre, I think, uh, are collected and put together. And also this website is really, uh, really nice. uh, And I really recommend you check it out because it is just, uh, it is fantastically done. And um, the Rijksmuseum has a recent record of of having these enormously impressive uh, uh, exhibitions. Of course, you you understand that from such a world-class museum, but even so, they outdo themselves every time, I think, and also with these websites. Yeah, they they have obviously the advantage of this incredibly rich heritage of uh, art, particularly, you know, um, uh, Renaissance art to to draw on, but they they do showcase it very, very well. And also the Rijksmuseum just their main website is incredibly impressive uh, you know the, 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 if you haven't got the ever looked at it or got the app installed the extensive range of art you can go and search for and look at in in, in extremely high detail is quite breathtaking really but they've also done uh, did quite a, um, a fun thing where they sort of encourage people to send in their own variations on um, Vermeer's uh, Girl with the Pearl Earring or had managed to make oh, yeah, power so the girl with the onion earring or something uh there was one that was just an onion with a headscarf on oh that was it the girl with the onion earring or the onion with the uh the onion with the earring yeah it was really fu- really nicely done uh, yeah. we will uh, we ha- the dutch news has a has an article on that we will link to that uh, in the liner notes as well yeah and there's also some interesting uh Vermeer news this week uh, because they discovered a document uh, which gave details of his funeral because oh, there's really? very little known about Vermeer's private life um we don't really we know who he was married almost nothing almost nothing right? no one knows what he looks like so he never painted a self-portrait and nobody seems to have painted a portrait of him um so yeah there's very little information about him one thing we do know was that uh, his mother-in-law was quite a wealthy woman and um 
there were th- no less than three uh, registers of his um, of his funeral, uh, and only two were known about until now. And now the third one has uh, turned up in an archive, and it turns out that he had, um, I think, a funeral with uh, uh, fourteen pallbearers and oh. one round of church bells, which apparently is a slightly classier funeral than the average. And yeah. the feeling is that probably his mother-in-law paid for it because when she died, she had um, even more pallbearers. I think it was twenty-one, but I'm thinking from memory, <laughs> and she had two soundings of the church bells. So uh-huh. yeah, Maria Tins was the name of his mother-in-law. Yeah, how oh, fun! She was a Catholic, so although Vermeer was a Protestant, when he married, uh, he had to agree to raise his children as Catholics. So uh-huh. he was married okay. in the Catholic faith. But it was. Uh... Given how rich his mother-in-law was, it was all worth it. It was, it was a sacrifice <laughs> worth making, I think, yeah. yeah. Well, it explains yeah. why he was able to use very uh, expensive pigments in his paintings as well. Yeah, because they were uh, quite expensive indeed. And yeah. um, I mean, pigments were in general quite expensive, but the high quality yeah, pigments he used, they, they, were, they had to come from all over the globe, right? So yeah, uh, yeah it's, uh, and those were enormously expensive, especially the blue ones, apparently. Yes, it's used in The Girl of the Pearl, among other... Yeah, uh, other paintings. Yeah. So uh, yeah, um, definitely uh, worthwhile to check this exhibition out if yes. tickets are still available because uh, it's very popular. So uh, yeah. uh, uh, good luck. But uh, with these uh, extended opening hours, you might be able to still buy uh, one or two tickets. And finally, sports news. Talon Hrikspoor was unable to cause an upset in the third round of the Australian Open as he went out in straight sets to the number three seed Stefanos Tsitsipas. Kriegspor showed flashes of the good form that seen him win his first six matches of 2023, including his first ATP Tour title in Pune in India. Uh, he took the second set to a tie-break and uh, even had a set point. But the big-serving Greek was too good, and the man whose name means Greek track went off the rails <laughs> against an actual Greek in the third set. It's the first time Kriegspor has reached the third round of a Grand Slam. Uh, in round two, he beat his compatriot, the current Dutch number one and a 32nd seed, Botik van der Zanschulp. It was the first time since 2001 that two Dutchmen have met in a Grand Slam singles match, and hopefully the last time we'll see two players <laughs> from the same country turn out in matching outfits, which made it the match an absolute headfuck to watch, frankly. <laughs> My favorite uh, Grand Slam tournament is Wimbledon, and yeah. uh, the dress code there is, of course, white. Yes. And that always also makes it sometimes very hard to distinguish <laughs> the, the, the players, Yeah. because, of course, they switch sides all the time. So sometimes you, you know, fall asleep a little bit, and when you wake up, like, who's who yeah. again? Um, this is even worse, because they, they both wore uh, yellow T-shirts, white long white shorts, blue shoes, and a white cap with the same yeah. sponsor. And they and had a very similar haircuts. Well, at least from what you could see underneath the underneath the cap, <laughs> that the hair was kind of cut to the same length. So it was just impossible to see who was who. And it was like yeah. sort of watching two clones play against each other. Yeah, <laughs> it was really yeah. bizarre. And of course, when they were speaking as well, they were both speaking Dutch, so you, you couldn't really distinguish them that way either. Oh yeah. The only distinction was that Kriegspor was clearly the player in form because he won six four six four six four. And how about uh, the women in? Uh yeah, Melbourne. there was one Dutch player in the women's competition, uh, Ariana Hartono, who um, did quite commendably. She ca- came through the qualifying rounds and then lost in the first round to the experienced American Shelby Rogers, who I think has reached a quarterfinal in the past. But hopefully that will boost her current world ranking of 237. 
And um, yeah, let's now focus uh, on the tournament uh, we are the most interested in, yeah. and that is uh, the chess tournament in Wijk aan Zee. Uh, how is that uh, going? Yeah, the Wimbledon of chess, as it's known, uh, the Tata. Ma- is it? Well, that's what I keep are reading they, in the Dutch media. So, are they playing on the grass? No, they're, they're not playing on grass. They're not wearing identical dress white outfits wide? either. Um, they're all quite uh, distinct. But uh, yeah, the chess players, there's been a bit of a sensation in Vakanze because um, the guy who's dominated the tournament for the last kind of decade is, uh, of course, the world champion Magnus Carlsen. But he lost to the Dutch number one chess player, Anish Giri, this week. Mm. Um, so Giri uh, said it was one of the finest to perhaps the finest win of his career. Uh, he has beaten Carlsen before in 2011 oh. when he was 16 years old. Uh, he uh, mm. yeah, uh, uh, he upset the world champion but he said this time this was a better win because he said uh, on that occasion uh, I was lucky that he made a mistake but uh, and that win had a big impact but this time I won in a fair contest by playing well. Uh, so oh. Anish Giri, who incidentally was born in St. Petersburg, uh, moved to the Netherlands at the age of six. And he's been the Dutch number one chess player for several years. And he's now the joint leader of the competition after he's won two of his opening four matches. Uh, his next game is being played in the Amst- in the Johan Cruyff Arena in Amsterdam. As they're oh, trying really? to sort of take the tournament out to other venues. Yeah. Will it be full, do you think? I'm not sure they'll quite fill the stadium, no. But uh, it'll that be... Would be... That would be very impressive, That right? would be incredibly impressive, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he's obviously in good form. Um, in the Challenger tournament, uh, which is kind of the second division of uh, the Tata Steel Chess, uh, there are two women, including a Dutch 16-year-old, Elina Rubers, uh, who is uh, a former under-14 world champion. Inevitably, of course, Linda Magazine has called her the Queen's Gambit of the Netherlands because, uh, you know, she's a woman <laughs> yeah. and she plays chess. So, Of course, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in a surprising twist, uh, Rubus says she's never seen the series. No, of course not. That doesn't surprise me at all as well. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you thought everyone watched in lockdown because she was busy playing online chess tournaments. It's one exactly, of the few sports yeah. that were still going, going ahead. And... Um, there's also some accusations about foul play in the Eredivisie, right? And this time uh, they will not get away with only a yellow card. No, uh, it's not on the pitch. And uh, unlike the chess players, they're not using uh, anal beads either. But these <laughs> sports betting intelligence units... <laughs> well, we haven't uncovered the whole story yet. So we... uh, there's still a plausibility that uh, that we have some, some anal vibrators Who still. Who knows? Uh, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it, it could be. The sports betting intelligence unit uh, said it suspected 25 Dutch footballers of illegal gambling actually 27 but 25 professionals and that specifically hmm. means betting on matches they were playing in themselves or other matches in their own competition both of which are banned under the uh, uh, ethical rules and obviously uh, betting on your own games is, uh, is yeah is, is just straight out illegal yeah that includes six players with Eredivisie clubs and 19 from the Kokenkampioen Divisie and two second division amateurs. And some of the cases are now being investigated by police, but the SBIU, which is a subdivision of the gambling regulator, wouldn't say how many or which players were implicated. The players' union, FFCS, said uh, the whole problem was that players are very confused about the rules. Okay. Seems to be very clear, right? (laughs) (laughs) It seems pretty clear to me, yeah. You know, if you're playing in a league, you cannot bet on another match in the same league. I don't really see where the ambiguity arises. But it carried out a survey of 200 players and 11% admitted to breaking these rules. So, yeah, bit of a problem to clear up. On the pitch, the Eredivisie's reached the halfway mark, or will do this weekend, and the big match is in Tegab, where Feyenoord take on Ajax. If they win, they'll open up an eight-point gap over their rivals. Feyenoord are currently four points clear. After beating Kroning on Sunday, AZ are in second place now, with Ajax and PSV a point further behind. And Ajax are booed off the pitch after their 0-0 draw with Twente, which is their fifth straight match without a win. 
That's uh, all that we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also back us now on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Gordon Derek and we'll be back next week. Music